Welcome back for the New Year's episode. The New Year episode. I, I never, you know, the phone like auto corrects all, not all caps, but capitals for Happy New Year's Eve, Happy New Year's Day, Happy New Year's. Uh, but there's no, I don't know. It doesn't always do that. Anyways, I'm just wondering about that every time it's around this part of the year. I'm like, I don't get what, what, what makes it capital. The ho- if I'm tuning out the holiday, I'm talking about the fucking same thing each time. Like, does it always get caps? What's the deal here? Anywho, happy new year. We're 2023. Uh, I like to do one of these at the end of each year, a little solo cast where I kind of refresh my thoughts around the year. Not necessarily, um, this is what I gleaned from each podcast that I did or any of that shit. Just this is what I was learning. This is what I was paying attention to in the media. This is what I was reading. And uh, some of the practices that I have for each year that I really do at the beginning of each year. So instead of, um, I did do one finally. I did do a, a resolution. <laughs> and I'll dive into that. It's a good one. Um, and I'm going to announce it. So I have to fucking do the damn thing. But uh, I do a word of the year, which is really important. And I'll talk a bit about what I did in 2022 and what I'm leaning towards in 2023. And it's pretty pretty remarkable to see that we just we, we do a little painting a tiny little five by seven card painting the tosh bear and wolf and just throw it on the uh on the wall next to our artwork and as we walk by it at any point in time we're like oh yeah that's the word of the year cool that's what i'm working on all year uh we do a tarot draw for people who aren't familiar with the tarot draw oracle decks work too we have a spirit animal oracle deck the kids love it's awesome from um colette baron reed I'll link to that in the show notes. It's one of my favorites. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, it's a great way to connect with animals and understand uh, one person's interpretation of the power behind their meaning. Remember, there's a much, you know, you cannot capture in language what a symbol actually means as we're working on Jung stuff. And uh, spirit animals are the symbol of something and not... Uh, the codification of something, right? So we can describe it all we fucking want. What are the qualities of the jaguar? What are the qualities of the hawk? Um, and there are certain things that are kind of universal wherever we go, whether we're talking uh, indigenous people from the Americas or, you know, Northern Europe, um, we will find some similarities between the big bird medicine and things like that. Um, typically, that's because that's what that symbology is represented to people. Um, so again, you don't have to take it literally, but... It's a great way to connect. And in my personal opinion, and in the opinion of many awesome people like Paul Check, one of my mentors, who who actually did a two-day workshop on tarot. I'll link to that in the show notes. They're making it available online if they haven't already. It, it will be up fucking within weeks or days. It's a it's a divination tool. You know, it's like it's like divination class for Harry Potter, except you have a legit teacher, not some quack who can't <laughs> he can't can't do anything. Uh, she's she's pretending to 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 use her divination tools for. The way I come to understand it is your soul, your high self, your your higher level of consciousness, whatever that thing is, your daemon, um, that that is directing which card you pull. And I've never pulled an incorrect card. Now, you could just say, oh, yeah, whatever, you know, you pulled this one and now you're going to make meaning out of that. Of course, we're going to make meaning out of that. We make fucking meaning out of everything. We are meaning-making people. We, we are here as divine beings to make meaning of our existence. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so we'll dive into that. We're going to dive into tarot. We're going to dive into spirit animal deck. Uh, every time my kids pull, I look at them, for, I look at it first for them. 
in, in my understanding of it. And then I read the totality for me because I, I look at them as extra hands of what is pulling cards for me. So they may have a card, but I'm going to have four cards, including my wives, that I'm looking at and analyzing for myself for the year. So that's a pretty cool uh, thing that I like to do that may be uh, egotistical, but it's, it's just fucking what I do. And I love it. I love, love seeing which cards they draw for themselves and for me. And um, not surprisingly, <laughs> my, my little daughter, who's a very fucking pure girl, pure little soul, uh, she pulled cards that I've been pulling all fucking year. And it was just the, the healthy reminder of, yeah, dude, that isn't done yet. That's still something I'm working on. Um, we're going to talk full temple reset briefly, and we'll talk uh, fit for service a little more briefly. We're going to talk about, you know, and these, you know, really just the last chance. You've got days left to sign up for either. Uh, so we'll dive in a little bit of that. Our first farm education is coming up. So really what I have laid out for this year, I have a hunt coming up as well. Jot that down. Talk about the hunt slash sweat. We have a fucking amazing guide. Uh, Ken Conti, who I'm going to have on this podcast, is going to lead and pour sweat for us. And um, met him in Fit for Service. He's a fucking incredible person. One of the many incredible people that I've met in Fit for Service who has sat with the Lakota at Sundance many times and has been grandfathered in and, and now is considered an elder who is allowed to pour sweat. And um, I have not sat with him in a sweat lodge yet, but where he's going to be guiding us on our elk hunt. And so I'll dive into a bit of that. And then uh, I'll talk Avatar too. I'll talk about fucking current topics. We're going to talk about shit that we just seen, what I drew from that as well, and how that all ties in uh, with these tools of divination and, and really the crafting around what I want to accomplish in a year. Um, and that's it. It's going to be short. It's going to be sweet. It's going to be awesome. Hopefully you can take these tools. I will write this down. I'm going to put this in the show notes for you guys. The podcast with Schmaus, Greg Schmaus, number three that we just did on Caroline Mace's archetype wheel is absolutely incredible. I just did my wife's. And um, if you listen to that podcast with me, that's very personal. It's like taking a look at my naked psyche, <laughs> the, the, the inner workings of me for this go around uh, for my time on earth and in, in the Kyle Kingsbury meat suit. And that is, it's, it's awesome and it's revealing and it's not just revealing for you guys. Cause we did my analysis on the podcast, but um, re- revealing for me in a way that adds layers of meaning and understanding, you know, and, and it's funny because uh, Aubrey and I kind of go back and forth on this where he's like, listen, dude, the sure, the, the star alignment and all that shit matters. The astrology, we know this is true, but you're not beholden to it, right? You're not like your human design or your gene keys is not, it's like, yeah, but that's not just it, right? And so he, he looks at it that way. And while that's true, I think of it as easier ways to navigate, right? If I know there are certain qualities that I have when I'm in my shadow that could show up, I can watch out for those. If I know that in certain tendencies, right? Everyone has them. This is what Gene Key shows. Um, if I know there are certain qualities when I'm in my light side, when I'm beaming and I'm taking care of myself and I'm rocking and rolling, I have a balanced approach to life, that those, those higher levels of my consciousness are going to show up. And that's going to mean I'm magnetic or it's going to mean I have other things going on that are really awesome qualities about myself that have to do with the gene keys, the human design, the whatever, the fill in the blank uh, that I get to show up with. 
and more, not just limited to those, but, but, but really getting to know that stuff, I think are fantastic navigational tools that can really help us to explore the self a little deeper, to know more about yourself. And then from there, have a better understanding of where you're at right now, right? Am I in a positive place? Am I in a shit place? Is my tone of voice repeatedly getting to a place with my kids that I don't want it to be in, right? If I'm going to push past my limit, can I dig myself out of that rut or am I holding on to bitterness towards my kids? This is an important one. This was, uh, again, revealing. My wife and I do an end-of-the-year ceremony and um, nothing much but enough to, to break the ice. And we talk about these things, kind of have an airing of grievances, right? And a renewal of, of contract, a renewal of agreement. Dr. Will Tegel uh, talked about, I think, the Muscogee Creek tribe in, in the south, southern part of the United States, southeast, southeastern United States, at the beginning of each year, would, would renew and, or replace their agreements. And he talked about that on the podcast that, you know, and with me off air, you know, that I had had four different marriages with my wife. I had the marriage when we first were together and without kids. We were married with kids, with, with Bear. We were in an open marriage with other partners. And then we were married with a closed marriage with two kids, right? Each of these is a different marriage. Each of these is a different time in our life. And it requires new agreements. It requires new understanding. So January is a phenomenal time of year to get clear on that. And if you're not in a relationship with a, a partner, sexually or otherwise, you're always in relationship with yourself. So what are the agreements you've laid out for yourself? That's a better lens to look through in my opinion, than what is, uh, you know, what am I going to do differently this year? You know, how am I going to, how am I going to get on track and not get off the wagon this year? Um, really just understanding what your agreements are with yourself and, and knowing that that's the path forward that helps you best operate. And it's got to feel good too. It's the other thing. Like it sounds cheesy, but if you don't like it, you will not be consistent with it. If you can't make good, healthy food taste good, good fucking luck eating it, right? Like bodybuilders sometimes when they're, when they're cutting will eat asparagus and chicken breast or tilapia for six weeks leading up to a competition. Like <laughs> that's discipline. I can't stand it. It's not healthy, by the way, but um, it'll help you get shredded. I, I can't do that. That's not something that's sustainable for me and it's not sustainable for most people. So you have to understand when, when you're creating something uh, a New Year's resolution or something that you're going to change. And you're saying, I'm going to do more of this thing and I'm going to do less of this other thing. When it comes to habit change, doing less of the thing you don't want to do, you got to replace that with something that's just as convenient. I talk about this in Atomic Habits with James Clear. And uh, I know we're 11 minutes in. I'm going to get into my usual podcast routine of ads and all that stuff. And then I'll shift gears back into this. But James Clear in Atomic Habits said, you know, if a, if a, if a mom who's overly busy uh, doing all the mom stuff, picks her kids up from school and realizes she didn't start dinner uh, and starts freaking out because the kids are starving, takes them to McDonald's one night. That once a week might become three nights a week. It might become five nights a week if she's not careful. And in order to remove that, she can't just say, oh, I'm going to go fucking whip up this nice hour-long meal or I'm going to start a crock pot first thing in the morning and that's going to replace it. No, that's not as convenient, right? It doesn't fit with the schedule. How can she replace fast, shitty food with something that's fast and better? Could she do uh, pre-made meals from a company like Trifecta? They're not a sponsor, but they're good. Um, could she do uh, something else like a local, uh, local chef 
in town where she gets pre-made meals, or maybe she does that uh, with her partner on the weekends. They, and the kids help. What do you guys want to eat this week? Cool. All right. We're going to create all of our dinners in advance, and then we're just going to warm them up. Boom. 30 seconds. We're able to eat. Maybe, maybe five minutes, so you're not using a fucking microwave. But she's got to make it convenient in order to replace that thing because it doesn't just fall away, right? The, the things that, that put us into the bad uh, commitment or the bad habit oftentimes happen because of convenience. They happen because it's easy to do that thing, right? So we have to have something equally as easy to replace it. And then from there, we can start chipping away and making it better and uh, perhaps getting better on our scheduling and our ability to create space in our own lives, which is very hard for moms. This is a big conversation that I had with Tosh about the priority for moms. Uh, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, which is a full-time fucking job, or whether you've got kids and you're hiring somebody to raise them and you also have a job that's also fucking full-on, you have to have time for yourself. Dads too. All this dad bod bullshit is fucking comical. I will lose my mind if I don't work out at least twice a week. Full body, hard workouts. I've been splitting that between one full body workout at Onnit and one session boxing each week with myself and the farm team. I also like shooting guns a lot. And that is uh, a very big stress reliever for me. You could dive into the psychology of that all you want, but it feels fucking really good to shoot guns and it feels really good to hone Something, you know, like uh, Zen, what is that? Zen in the art of archery. There's Zen in shooting a handgun. There's Zen in shooting a 500-yard shot with my hunting rifle. You know, we'll talk about that too, gearing up for the hunt. A uh, really cool class I did with Tim Kennedy's guys at Sheepdog. All that stuff matters when it comes to habit change. And all that stuff matters if we're going to do any, any type of integration, right? From what we learn, you read the cool book, what is integration? What is integration from your ayahuasca journey at Soltara in Costa Rica? Integration is habit change. It is, it is actually getting the thing to stick that makes your life better. It's, it's every little move you make each day. That's integration. And so the, the big piece on integration is habit change. And we're going to dive into that a bit more uh, on the ways that I call this stuff in and, and the guidance for that too. Sometimes you don't know what you want to do next or you don't know what you should be paying attention to. And that's where the tools of divination really come in. You look at this from the outside and be like, oh shit, I, at first it meant nothing to me. And now six months into the year, I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, that's, that's why that word was calling to me. That's why this uh, card from the major arcana was an important lesson for me. And you get to understand the unfolding of that on your own life's journey. All right, support this podcast by sharing it with a friend. Uh, you typically, you know, when you finish the podcast and you're like, okay, I know this person would like it, or, uh, this person's telling me that they're going to do a whole bunch of shit this year. That's different. Let me send this to them and, and, and get their feedback. Word of mouth is awesome. Also five-star rating, one five-star rating on Spotify or iTunes. Organifi has been giving out, uh, my favorite products of theirs to one lucky winner each month. We had a group of people fill out for December and November, which was awesome. Thank you so much for being a part of that. I'm going to try to sweet talk Organifi into maybe doing that this quarter, this first quarter. So it may happen. It may not happen. Um, not going to put pressure on them for that, but I am going to ask uh, because that was great. That really does help the show grow in numbers by getting more eyes on it. And of course, support our, our, our podcast sponsors. They make this show possible. Today's episode... Uh, is brought to you by a few oldies but goodies, uh, Aura, 
Newtopia, Lucy, and Organifi, as I just mentioned. Awesome, awesome people. And we've also got, this is your last three days, I believe, when this releases on Wednesday. You've got about three days to sign up, two or three days left to sign up for your full temple reset. Full Temple Reset is at the end of January each year. January 25th through the 29th is when it will take place. It's going to take place at the farm that I've been building out in Lockhart, Texas with Aubrey. And it is an incredible place. It is a healing place. But most importantly, it's a place where we go to learn through experience, right? All of the things that I've gathered over the years from health and wellness, from a physical standpoint, a mental emotional standpoint, a spiritual standpoint, the big guns are going to be employed while we're there together. And we get to do some challenging shit that's going to squeeze us and wring us out and stretch us and open us and shift our physical body and our consciousness at the same time into a higher state of being. I've taken many deep dives on this podcast into what Full Temple Reset is. There are videos. You can check it out, fitforservice.com. We will have that uh, linked in the show notes as well. But if you're on the fence, we've approved a few people that, that are still on the fence, like fucking do it. This will change your life. There are no two ways about it. And really the only acceptable, I can't make this is if you opted out of full temple reset and opted in for fit for service core. Fuck yeah. You'll have me all year long. That is an incredible, incredible, that is an incredible excuse. Sorry, I can't make it to full temple reset. I'm going to core. Uh, just so you know, you can do both, but I'm just saying Full Temple Reset is, is a powerhouse of information and learning through experience, all held within five days. You get me and my brother, Eric Godsey. We meditate each day. You get full blood work and analysis through waystowell.com. We're going to sauna an ice bath and mobilize our body. We'll work around injuries and treat them. Um, we're going to focus on the psyche with mindset, journaling practices, and understanding union symbology. This is a big one that we're going to get into with tarot and some of these other things. But on a much deeper level, like this is Eric Godsey's wheelhouse, and you have him for five days, every day working and unpacking on these things layer by layer. And I have learned a shit ton bringing him in for this event and sitting and, and, and participating in what he's teaching. It's incredible. And then, of course, we finish... Uh, with an incredible sound bath at the end, sound healing. So a couple days left, y'all. This is in the show notes. Uh, same thing. We have reopened uh, FFS Core for, I believe, 10 days. I don't want to get that wrong. I believe 10 days, this thing's going to be open. And we're already a few days into the week here in January. It's uh, January 4th when this releases. So time is very short for you to make it in. Uh, it is a year-long thing that we're doing this year. We haven't done this in a while, I think, since year one. And what we've learned through it being year five and having f- completed four years of Fit for Service coaching is that the year-long is really one of the most powerful ways we can work with you. Uh, similar to you know, do, drinking ayahuasca for a night on a weekend or actually going to the Amazon and drinking for four or five nights in a week, they're just completely different. You get, you get completely different outcomes because of the amount of layers of work that one can accomplish. This will be our best year yet. I talked about this in the podcast with um, Aubrey and Caitlin and Godsey. I am 100% confident in that because our track record proves it. Every year, it has gotten better. And each event has gotten better. There was a time, a point in time where years two, year three, every event we did, I was like, man, I really hope, I really hope that it can hold up and that it's as good as the last one or that it's really good or that it's transformative. And each fucking event was better than the one previous. And it continues to be that way. It continues to be that way because 
as we grow as people, as we continue to learn and cultivate more for ourselves, we have that much more to share and give to you guys. In addition to that, this thing's building momentum and we have incredible teachers coming and they just keep getting better and better and better. We've had Charles Eisenstein, Dr. Zach Bush. We'd have Jamie Wheel. Uh, Mark Gaffney's coming out this year. John Churchill's coming out this year. You know, when we podcast, Aubrey and I, with some of the most amazing people on the planet, we rope them in. I'm going to talk about Mark Gober. We're going to get Mark Gober out at one of our events, author of The End of Upside Down Thinking. I had him on the podcast. We talked about one of his latest books, The End of Upside Down Liberty. Hands down, one of the best books ever written on politics and spirituality. It may be the only book that I know of that's written on the two of them and is able to alchemize a non-dualistic reality, which is the nature of our consciousness, with what that should actually look like in government. Incredible author. And I'm diving into his latest work, which I'm going to bring up here, an end to, up, an end to the upside down reset. You guess what that's about, the great reset. So we'll chat about that. Uh, check it all out, fretforservice.com. This is the last you're going to hear of it from me because we're going to be clearly closed, no mas, for the year. So uh, you'll get to hear about it next December as I start hyping up 2024. Don't miss out. Don't miss this year. If you're on the fence, you're like, well, I got questions. We got answers. You guys get a call with people beforehand. Somebody I, I had a call with, with somebody who was on the fence who was nervous that it wouldn't be manly enough. So they're like, Kyle, get on the, you're the manliest guy in the group. Get on the phone with this guy. Tell him how it is. Um, truly, it is something for everyone. There is something for everybody. We've got young people, old people, and I don't mean old, like old, old, old. I mean like people who think they're old that are just in their 60s and they're fucking young and vibrant. We have everyone in between. We've got married couples, single people, men, women, gay. We've had trans people. We have fucking everyone is welcome into this event. Every fucking color, every shade of the rainbow is welcome to fit for service. And the container that we've created is something that is so special that you have to be there to understand it. It is like a psychedelic journey. I can tell you all the things, but if you've never done it before, you have no fucking clue what I'm talking about. That's what we've created with fit for service. And it is my pride and joy. It's Aubrey's pride and joy. It's Caitlin and Godsey's pride and joy. And I'm so stoked for what we got coming here in 2024. All right. In addition to that, we are brought to you by Aura. Thank you, Aura, for sponsoring this video. Do you know what the fastest growing crime in America is? For years, this crime's rate has been surging and affecting millions of Americans. I'm talking about identity theft, and it happens to one in 20 Americans. Yet despite this, those who have had their identity stolen are often shocked when it happens. Imagine trying to log into your email account one day, only to see that the password had changed hours ago. Then you start getting notifications of activity from your bank, credit cards, crypto accounts. That's when the feelings of panic, fear, anxiety, paranoia, disbelief, shock, anger, frustration, and guilt all set in. That's why I'm excited to partner with Aura, who is sponsoring this podcast. Aura is identity theft protection, fraud monitoring, a VPN, password management, and antivirus software all combined into one easy-to-use app. And it's damn easy. Y'all are going to love this. Aura monitors the dark web for your emails passwords and social security numbers and sends alerts fast right to your phone and email. When it comes to fraud, every second matters. Connect your credit and bank accounts to get notified of any changes up to four times faster than Aura's competitors. Their VPN allows you to stay anonymous online by keeping your browsing history and personal information safe and encrypted, and their antivirus software will block malware and viruses before they infect your devices. Protect you and your family from America's fastest growing crime. Try Aura free for two weeks and see if any of you or your family's personal information has been compromised. This is dope. You sign up, https colon forward slash forward slash aura.com slash Kyle. We'll link to the URL in the show notes, so just worry, it's a one click. 
You one click, aura.com slash Kyle. And in that, you start a free trial for 14 days. You punch in your information and for no cost, they're going to tell you if anything's compromised. I, I did this. I, have, uh, I started with a six month and I continued on with them for my whole family. I found out on day one that had number of passwords that had been compromised, the number of passwords that I unintelligently was using across many different platforms. Big no-no. Yeah. Uh, some things like that are obvious to many of you, but it wasn't obvious to me uh, until I got with Aura. Check it all out at aura.com slash Kyle. And thank you, Aura, for sponsoring this podcast. We're also brought to you by my friends at Newtopia.com slash Kingsboo Genius. <laughs> These guys, Bioptimizers and Newtopia has the, the best URLs, slightly longer than the rest, but phenomenal. Do you struggle with brain fog or have difficulty focusing? Do you have trouble recalling names, dates, or where you left things? If so, I have some good news for you. Newtopia, powered by Bioptimizers, has created a brand new one-of-a-kind product called Collagenius. It combines collagen, cocoa, and cacao with four different kinds of mushrooms, lion's mane, reishi, cordyceps, chaga. This cutting-edge blend fights brain fog, helps repair your brain, improves your ability to focus, and boosts something called BDNF, which supports improved learning and memory power. Each serving of Collagenius, you'll feel calm, alert, and energized. Your ability to memorize and recall information will improve, and you'll get a hefty dose of antioxidants for immune support. Collagenius is delicious. It's sweetened with stevia and tastes like a rich chocolate elixir. Simply mix it with water or raw milk or coffee and enjoy. Or for a more potent blend, yeah, mix it with coffee in the morning and throw in some butter, MCTs, and all the goodies and just fucking go ham. It's going to be awesome. But whatever you do, don't miss out on the brain-boosting power of this amazing new product. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to www.newtopia.com slash kingsboogenius. That is N-O-O-T-O-P-I-A dot com slash K-I-N-G-S-B-U-G-E-N-I-U-S and use Kingsboo10, that's Kingsboo10, during checkout to save 10% and get free shipping. We are also brought to you by longtime sponsor Lucy.co, that's L-U-C-Y dot C-O. The government is banning vapes. The government is reducing the amount of nicotine in cigarettes. There's never been a better time to give Lucy a try. There's great flavors, multiple strengths. It's the only nicotine pouch with a capsule inside that keeps it fresh. Look, we're all adults here, and I know some of us choose to use nicotine to relax, focus, or just unwind after a long day. Lucy is a modern oral nicotine company that makes nicotine gum, lozenges, and pouches for adults who are looking for the best, most responsible way to consume their nicotine. It's a new year. Why not start it out by switching to a new nicotine product that you can feel good about. I've loved these guys. This is one of, the fav- one of my favorite ways to operate at a highly tuned in level. And the window of nicotine is very short, it's 30, 45 minutes. So it's phenomenal when you need a quick boost and you want to go back to sleep after, right? Uh, I've, I've brought up the, the research that Rob Wolf dived, dove into with the US military. Uh, of course, there are many forms of nicotine being used there that, that are uh, not necessarily the healthiest versions. And what he found was nicotine in and of itself was non-problematic. It was the 4,000 plus chemicals added in the cigarettes that is probably the issue. So with that, if somebody had uh, a mission in the middle of the night and they took nicotine, that, that would actually help their cognitive function for the mission and they could come back and sleep. Whether if you're slamming, slamming a Red Bull or a Jolt energy drink or something like that, that's going to keep you up for hours past that. Now, most of us are not operators. We're not waking up in the middle of the night with some shit to do at 3 a.m., uh, most of us are just regular people that want an edge. We're looking for nootropics. We're looking for caffeinated products. We're looking for things that are going to switch us on in a way where we get the best output from our cognitive ability possible. 
nicotine is the best nootropic on the planet. All nootropics are trying to create more acetylcholine in the body. All right, let's take a base level of uh, choline. Let's add some components from different plants and we'll create more acetylcholine, which is going to give us the cognitive function we're looking for. Nicotine fits into acetylcholine receptors in the brain. This is why for many years, hundreds, if not thousands of years, people have used to switch their brain on. We see comedians doing it on stage. Uh, Writers will chain smoke while they're writing away. And smoking is crap. Let's be honest. This is a fucking hell show. You should not be smoking cigarettes. So if you want to consume nicotine, check out lucy.co and enter promo code KKP. You're going to get 20% off everything in the store. And uh, also, I have to read this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. All right, set it all. lucy.co, KKP at checkout for 20% off. Last but not least, we're brought to you by my friends at Organifi. Organifi.com slash KKP. Use code KKP for 20% off everything in their store. When we talk about habit change, we talk about convenience, right? And part of convenience is, can it be fast and easy? And also, do you enjoy it, right? If you don't enjoy lifting weights, good luck fucking doing a weight training program. If I don't enjoy a particular health drink that's got X, Y, and Z superfoods in it, I'm not going to keep having it. I'm not going to choke that down. I might do 30 days straight just to finish the bottle, but I'm not going to continue with that. What Organifi has done is they've taken some of the best superfood ingredients on the planet, often that are quite bitter, and they have managed with an incredible team to make them taste amazing. And they passed the kids test. I've got a two-year-old daughter and a seven-year-old son. They absolutely love everything Organifi offers from their green juice to the red juice, which is perfect for, perfect for pre-workout, to the Organifi Gold. Pumpkin spice was a massive hit for holiday season. Organifi continues to innovate and create some of the best tasting elixirs that they can come up with. We're talking about things like moringa, superfoods like ashwagandha, things that have tons of research that show it can help aid the body as an adaptogen in various ways. And with that, can help calm our nervous system, can help bring us to our center, or help ramp us up and increase more ATP production and cellular activity in the mitochondria. So now we get a better workout. I got a little bit more endurance. I have a little bit more mental juice late in the day. All of this stuff is research-backed, scientifically proven, and they're all included in these wonderful combinations in drinks. You're not just getting one awesome ingredient in any single one of these. You're going to get several awesome ingredients in every single one of these. And there's a few powerhouses in each one, but it's a combination of these powerhouses that make it unique and amazing, and all of it tastes phenomenal. Thank you to my homies at Organifi also for hooking up for the last three months of 2022. People who, who went in and, and left me a five-star rating. We're going to try to do that again. And uh, if they say no, maybe because I'm saying it right now, I'll send you one personally. But thank you, Organifi, for that. Um, I will send out a personal favorite from Organifi. It's going to be the green, the red, or the gold. Those are my favorites, plain and simple. They also have a number of other amazing products to check out. View it all at Organifi.com slash KKP. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash KKP. And use code KKP at checkout for 20% off. All right. I just took some notes here the last few days, uh, basically leading up to New Year's Eve and New Year's Day for the practices. And like I mentioned, one of the first things I did with Tosh is we did her Caroline Mace natal wheel, the archetype wheel. And one of the ways you do that is read Sacred Contracts from Caroline Mace. Link to that in the show notes, please, Jose. And buy her archetype card deck. Now, there's 
an infinite number of archetypes. And so you've left maybe eight or so at the end of it that you can just write in. You don't, if you might not find the archetypes that truly uh, resonate with you, you might know that there's some online that's not in the card deck, but point is the, the vast majority of the, the major ones are there. And you, each of us has four uh, surviving ar- archetypes that are a part of everyone's existence, the victim, the prostitute, the saboteur, and the child. And it's a variety, right? There's, there's, I think, seven different child versions of the child within that deck. And there's a number of them more, as Greg Schmaus uh, put together. Then you've got eight other archetypes that you're going to take and draw from. Once you have your 12, you're going to shuffle that deck. You cut out some card paper that's in the shape of those. You draw the number one, two, through 12, all the way on each individual one. You shuffle that deck too, okay? Side by side, then you reveal, all right, this is uh, the hero, and that is in house one. Oh, wow, that was, that was the first card. Okay, cool. This is the addict, which is one of mine, as we talked about on the podcast, and that's in house seven, whatever that house was. You break that down, then you're able to go through and, and through the book or through working with Greg Schmaus, who's fucking phenomenal. I just signed up my wife to do a, a private with him. Highly recommend that. And if you want to know what that looks like, just listen to the podcast I did with him. We'll have that linked in the show notes very recently. You get to really deep dive what's going on inside, what your soul signed up for, the sacred contracts, as Caroline Mace puts it, for this particular incarnation. And with that, that's a pretty awesome thing. It's a pretty awesome way to come to understand the self. And it's a further way to deep dive what your operating system looks like and where you can be in alignment or out of alignment. A lot of people like myself, like, fuck, the addict or the victim, right? Those don't sound like great archetypes. All of them have a light side and a shadow side. Even the hero, right? The hero has a fucking deep shadow side. Uh, and the warrior has a shadow side. King, warrior, magician, lover really breaks that down perfectly, what that shadow warrior looks like, shadow king looks like, um, and the shadow lover. You can see what that looks like. Uh, all of these things, which, which the addict actually is, one form of the shadow lover. So you can see not only where they are and how it pertains to your interaction with self in relation to other people or in relation to your own self, but how they correspond and balance each other on the wheel. That was one of the most fascinating things that I hadn't discovered until working with Greg was that a lot of these are balanced. Uh, on the opposite side of that wheel is going to be the thing that helps nullify or create some equanimity and balance with that. Balance may be my word of the year. I'm not sure, certain yet. Um, I'm looking for a better word than balance, but it certainly appears to be the one that's going to be the case for me. Uh, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But the archetype wheel is incredibly awesome. And you can just work on that. If you haven't read the book and you're like, well, fuck, it's beginning of January. And by the time I get this ordered, Amazon Prime's going to have it to me next Monday. And then, and then, you know, I'll be a week behind. No, 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 no. This is something you work, you, you, you can work on for the rest of your life. So it's a way that you can, and it's not something you, you do every single day, but month by month, you go through each house and you see how the archetype pertains to you. And for some of them, you're going to be like, oh, of course. Uh, for me personally, the warrior was my highest potential. What does that mean? Well, that means if I have the light side of the warrior activated, that is going to create the best possible version of myself. Does that mean that I need to take up guns and ammo and start killing people? No. That is a very uh, elementary idea of what a warrior is, right? If you look at, um, why am I drawing a blank on his name? The author of Warriors of Light. He did, uh, I believe he did The Alchemist as well. Uh, Paulo Coelho. I think he did Warriors of Light. 
Anywho, uh, phenomenal book. And it really dives into what that looks like. When you read King Warrior, Magician Lover, you find out the warrior has fucking layers and layers to it. Each one of these archetypes does. And really uncovering that and how it pertains to this house within your 12 zodiac signs is going to be really cool. And you get to go through that month by month. So I'm really excited I get to do that um, with Tosh. The this is one, so that was first practice is creating this archetype wheel. And I really hope that's why I did this podcast with Greg. I really hope you guys do that. Uh, if you do it, let me know what you find. Just shoot me, shoot me, a, um, shoot me a message on Instagram. Don't DM me. I don't have time to look at that. Shoot me a message on Twitter at Kingsboo. Just say, yo, I did the archetype wheel. It's fucking awesome. Or there's some shit I don't understand. And I'll say, read Caroline Mace's sacred contracts. If you need more, go to Greg Schmaus. He's the expert there. Uh, but let me know what you think about that because I think it's a great tool. Another great tool that's so fucking fast and quick, there's no reason that people shouldn't be doing this. When you meditate or contemplate, and we talked about the difference between these with uh, my brother Richard Rudd, author of Gene Keys. Uh, in his book, Gene Keys, he, he forms a triangle. On the left-hand side of it, you have meditation or being, stillness. On the right-hand side of it, you have concentration, doing, action. In between, at the top where these triangles connect, is contemplation. It is an active mode from a still space of which we think or ponder something. And it's not a thinking process. It's not, um, I'm going to iron this out and figure out every single way to, to, to go about this potential issue, or what does this word mean to me? It's none of that shit. It is simply sitting with it and meditating on it and seeing what comes up for you. And as Richard mentioned on the podcast, what's cool, when you're, whether you're using it for gene keys or whether you're using it for this word of the year, life has the ability to display what, what's going on. And so if you, because life is the ceremony itself, when we have a word of the year, it, there may be months that go by where you're like, I don't get it. Or man, I'm really feeling like I'm not getting much of this word. And then all of a sudden fucking kitchen sink comes and holy shit, that's why I wrote that word down. And um, it's, it's, it's very powerful. My wife's word for 2022 was harmony. That was my word for 2021. I really feel like, and she does as well, that she was able to create harmony in her life and in our home this last year. It took a lot of long fucking haul through the first six months of the year, but we got there. Mine was alchemy. And alchemy, as it really pertains to my dark night of the soul, and uh, to be a bit more specific on that, Having experienced unconditional love in my, in my uh, experience, my deep journeys with the divine, to then having experienced what I would call hell, some of the realms of hell, and uh, fracturing my belief in the world that I was living in from the way I thought it was before 2020 and the way that I see it now after 2020, I had to reconcile that. And a part of that alchemy took reconciling it in the astral. It took reconciling it with Hamilton Souther. We talked about that on the podcast, just how important that was for me. And one of the things that he said was, hell is only mental. There is no heart in hell. There is no love in hell. And I was like, all right, this guy's been to hell. He fucking knows that's the case. So he said, we're going to go to the center of source. We're going to center of source consciousness and reconnect your head to your heart. And that may sound just basic as fuck, but when he told me it, I knew there was not a single doubt in his mind that this was going to solve the issue. And so with full trust, we went into a journey together and that's what he did. He sang in the Icaros and called that into being. And I sat up for the entire journey in a meditation pose and half Lotus 
so I could feel my body and anchor to the 3D while at the same time diving deep into the center, far enough to where it scared the shit out of me again. And remember that love has been there throughout, that love has guided me throughout my life, that love has been such an important piece of my journey here. And that ultimately this is some weird way of knowing ourselves and knowing love. And it's weird because people get killed every year, either through violence or through medicine or through all sorts of weird, wacky shit that we have a hard time agreeing with or fathoming. Uh, but that is the world we live in. And it requires us, uh, some of us, to be sheepdogs. It requires some of us to take the mantle upon ourselves of protecting those that can't protect themselves. And that's a whole different conversation. I'm going to have Tim on again, uh, Tim Kennedy, to really dive into that. Word of the year was alchemy. And I, I felt you know, true alchemy in that experience with Hamilton Souther. That happened in October. So I had 10 months of sitting with things that I didn't quite grasp until that happened. And I knew that would be the case, that, that, that the journey would be a big part of the alchemy. And it was. And uh, a lot of what we've done on the land has continued to be that alchemy. I had a journey on the land where I was wrapped up in my head. I was just fucking wrapped in my head. And it was kind of this mental boxing match that would not cease. And, and one of the things that came through is that the mind is an impossible opponent. It's an impossible opponent because it cannot be exhausted. It never gives up. It's always a one-upper. The mind always has another thing to say. And if you treat the mind as an opponent, it is an impossible thing to defeat. You'll never defeat it. When the mind, uh, when the mind is a servant and not your master, as the Buddha put it, that changes your relationship to it, right? It allows us to see the things that we're searching for. But ultimately, the thing we're searching for is felt. It's a felt experience. It's a known experience. And that comes from the heart. And it's outside of mind where that takes place. It can happen in nature, in the external world, or it can happen within, in the internal world. It can happen in tandem. I'd call that synchronicity, where the external world lines up with the internal world in that exact moment. Uh, as I've mentioned before, through many journeys or many, many, many experiences, rather, not on medicine, uh, animals have called out uh, or made themselves known to me right in the act of having a deep spiritual knowing where I'm like, you can't time this any better. And that's my opinion, what, what I call the God nod. And that, that to me too, when as I retrace my steps through the last few years, really anchoring into the things that I love, anchoring into the things that I've had a, a, a hand in helping to co-create with spirit throughout my life, and it really does help to build gratitude if we look at those things. All of us have been through some shit. But when we write down, these are the things that I love most about life. These are the things that I love most about myself. These are the gifts that I've received, either as a pure gift or as something I co-created. And we lean on that. That can get us through really hard times. I'm going to have some people on this podcast this year that are likely going to, to propose that more hard times are on the way. Um, and we're going to give tips and tools on how to navigate that space. So yeah, that's a tough pill to swallow as well. But I think anchoring into the things that we love makes it worth it. It makes it worth it to know, yeah, it can get hard and I, and I have the strength for it because it's worth it because I get to love my children. I get to love my wife. I get to love my friends. I get to love learning. I get to love all the things that I love in this experience. And it's a full bag. It's going to come with trickster energy. It's going to come with all sorts of other shit that spins me around and discombobulates me and makes me think, where's up, where's down? I don't know what the fuck's going on right now. And that's okay too. I can still trust in that because if I look at the track record behind me, it was fucking awesome. It was really awesome. And even the hard times 
that added a great degree of stress that meant a great degree of growth. And no one says yes to it in the moment, but in hindsight, you can look back and say, if you navigated that well enough, thank you for that experience that was so challenging because it brought me to where I am right now. Alchemy was the word of the, word of the, uh, the year in 2022. I have pulled the tarot card justice. Now on the surface, on the surface, you say, oh, cool. Justice, all right? That makes a lot of sense if you're looking at crimes against humanity and, and things of that nature, as I've, I've been really deep diving in the last two and a half years. Uh, but it's more than that. It's more than that because Lady Justice in the tarot card, we, again, we break down symbology and there's an excellent book called Tarot, A Universal Language by Beatrix Quintana that I will link to in the show notes for you guys. It's one of Paul Cech's favorite books because it breaks down the symbology of of each card, right? Which is what which is what the tarot was in the in the beginning. There was no language around it. It was just what is this, what is drawing up for you from the symbology here, and it breaks down each individual thing that you see within there of meaning, and tells you how this card is shaping. Uh, Lady Justice is holding the balancing of the scales, right? And I think from a political standpoint, most people in the center have been begging for a balancing of the scales. Most people, because it's getting further and further divisive, right? We want to find the center again. We want to find a balance point of equanimity uh, politically, right? We're thinking about that way. We're thinking about the turmoil of existential risk that is within the world. Can we find a balance point and a happy medium, a way to navigate where everyone feels safe and everyone's looking at the same horizon in agreement, not saying, uh, you know, this is causing global warming versus that is causing global warming and what's the best way to go about that? But actually looking at the same horizon, seeing it the way, seeing it in the objective truth and agreeing this is the way we go forward. We're looking for that equanimity. And I, and I know that in my heart when I see that, that balancing scales, that that's exactly what it's about. But it's deeper than that. It is about the balance of my own life. I tore my left knee again, uh, jumping back into jiu-jitsu, not from some weird heel hook, just from a, a, a regular you know, guard, a half guard pass. And my left quad was too tight. It was too twi- tight because it twite. It was too tight because of lifting weights and not mobilizing the way that I used to. When I was uh, fighting professionally, I made mobility a priority. I had to do it every single day so that I could get back on the mat every single day. And understanding, even though I'm not going to do jujitsu every day or box every day, if I want to participate in those things, there's a prerequisite to do so. I can't come in stiff. I can't come in worn out. I have to come in springy, supple, like a leopard, like Kelly Sturette talks about. And that requires flossing and taking care of my body the way that I used to as a fighter. So balance, something around balance is going to be um, my word of the year. And how that balance looks to me is balancing the light with the dark. If I'm reading a bunch of shit about, about the World Economic Forum or any of these other people that, that seem to have a, an alternate view of what reality should look like in their mind, I need to balance that with somebody who's got their head screwed on straight, like Mark Gober, and uh, who is the author of An End to Upside Down Reset. He lays it all out, and he's a beautiful author. He was uh, uh, graduated with honors from Princeton. And for his backstory, I mean, he was, he was the, the top of the top in the Ivy League. He moved to San Francisco. He was the top in the tech game, top in the investors game. And then realized none of the shit was bringing him happiness as, as some great people do. And instead he started going down the rabbit hole of meditation. He trained under Adyashanti, the author of the end of, oh, God damn it. What is it? The end. It's not the end of upside down. Lift. This is a book. 
The End of Your World. There we go. The End of Your World by Adyashanti is one of my favorite books. It was the only book that could encapsulate my dark night of the soul and how it felt. And in that, it was horrifying to see that somebody had written out this exact thing that I was experiencing and, um, and brilliant at the same time. That's Mark Gober's main teacher and mentor, or one of his main teachers and mentors. And it really comes through Mark's understanding of spirit consciousness. So uh, I got Mark coming on here middle of the month. I'm super excited for that. That's why I'm hyping this podcast with him. Grab these books before. Uh, he even wrote another book in between on the end of Upside Down Contact on ETs and extraterrestrials and spirits. So I've got that book. I want to deep dive it as fast as possible before this podcast so we can cover a lot of ground in it. So balance. Off on that tangent there. I must balance the light with the dark. If I'm reading a bunch of horror shit that looks like it's going to be on the horizon, I had better refresh my system with things that make me feel good, things that are positive. And it's not airy-fairy affirmations and doggone it, I'm good enough. It's none of that shit. What it is, is actually seeing the greatness of this world. It's seeing the beauty in it. It's seeing the things, it's holding the things that I love and cherish to balance the scale of what possibly could be coming that doesn't look good or a frame of thinking that's out of alignment with what I know to be true in a free and, and liberated society. And we're not there yet, right? We, we, labor liberty, Lady Liberty is, is not happy with the way that things are. So how do we create that? We create that first by holding on to the light of what that actually looks like. And as, as Charles Eisenstein focuses on in the more beautiful world we know is possible, he's going to lay, he had a recent, um, I, I read one of his things uh, right before this podcast, one of his blogs on Substack. I'll link to that in the show notes. It's just donation-based. It's phenomenal. And uh, I'm happy to keep donating to him on an annual basis. He, he writes incredible stuff that is very uplifting. And one of the things that he's proposing is that uh, we, he's going to pay attention less to the current events and what's happening in the world as it breaks down and destroys itself, because we, we see and agree that this is happening right now, and that's, that's that. He doesn't need to keep paying attention to that. What he needs to do is recreate the story. Mark Gaffney believes in this as well. The story of an interbeing, the story of an interconnected humanity, which is what we are. That's what Gobern understands. That's what anybody who's experienced deep medicine journeys understands the non-dual nature of reality. And that is the balance point. What is the new story that we tell? I'm going to mix. I'm going to have a mixed bag of current events. Famine could be coming, different things like that, different countries. That shit I want people to know about ahead of time. So you can prep and do whatever you need to to navigate those waters. Um, the collapse of the dollar potentially in the early 2030s is possible. Armstrong Economics points to that. Their uh, AI super engine that, that looks at patterns and uh, of, of all patterns, financial patterns, solar patterns, war patterns and cycles and factors that in and, then, and actually has dates that they've been correct to the date of when a stock market would crash, to the date of when gold would bo- uh, boom, to the date of when a war would start. And uh, it's pretty remarkable stuff. It's called Socrates. I'll link to Armstrong Economics in the show notes. There's tons of free information there that you guys can read on. Um, they've been spot on, you know? And, and if the dollar does collapse in 2031 and a half, as Socrates, who has not been wrong, the AI purports, there are things we can do ahead of time that will shape our ability and help our ability to navigate those waters. I want to know about that and I want you to know about that. So I still am going to stay current on this podcast. And at the same time, we're going to tell the new story. We're going to have Eisenstein back on. We're going to have Gaffney back on. We're going to talk about what Eros actually is, each of the 12 faces of Eros. We're going to have a series of podcasts with Mark Gaffney that breaks that down. So we, we understand what he calls first principles. 
what are the first principles of the operating system of consciousness that, that, that fundamentally drive the whole thing? Those are the, if we want a shared horizon at what we're looking at in the world, we first have to start with how does the actual game work? What is the game board that we're standing upon together in our interbeing? And if we understand that, then how can we navigate best going forward with the known rules, the known agreements ahead of time? And I think that makes a lot of sense. Those big picture stuff. And it's a part of the new story. And really with that, uh, it is super important. I'll link to this last, this last thing that Charles did in the show notes so you get a better understanding. It came from his son, you know, understanding that, that, that holidays don't mean shit to him anymore. And really a holy day is something we must create that has meaning. And it's not a caricature or cartoon image of Santa Claus. It's something that we all want to celebrate. And it's a story we all agree upon. And that story fundamentally must start with interbeing and not separation. So thank you, Charles, for that awesome lifting uh, piece there. And you will shape, as you continue to shape, my, my view of, of uh, what I want to cover going forward. Tarot. We do a tarot draw and we do the spirit animal oracle draw. There's a number of ways you can draw cards. You can do a three-card pull, a seven-card pull. You do many different, there's an infinite number of ways to work with this stuff. Typically, I will draw one card. My wife will draw a card. My kids will draw cards. And I like to see how that pertains to them as well as myself, every single one of those cards. And so Lady Justice was a card that my daughter drew that made a hell of a lot of sense. I drew the, the three of swords, which is three swords stabbed through the heart. And immediately as, as I started diving into that, I was like, yeah, there's, there, are, there is more there in the hurt and the pain that I went through in the dark night of the soul from medicines. You know, I understood, as I mentioned, Terrence McKenna saying the mushrooms turn on me. I understood, you know, when you get the call from God, hang up the phone. Any of the great people, the psychonauts that I've looked up to over the years that have said, eh, I'm out. <laughs> I've had enough. I understood why they said no. Um, and at the same time, I've had so much guidance. These are the greatest tools of divination, in my opinion, when done correctly. And that guidance has led me to both of my kids. It's led me to them communicating with me their gender and their name before they arrived and why those are the qualities that they held. Um, And spirit animals obviously do mean a great deal to me because of the way nature speaks to me and because of the names that my children have chosen for themselves, bear and wolf. So that makes a lot of sense. I might, if I have time here... Dive into the tattoo. I'm going to jot that down here. I'm getting my tattoo. This will be a full podcast with my tattoo artist, Heidi Schneck, uh, at some point. Um, but it's all animal work, you know, in the elements and a little bit of plant material and fungi. That's, that's really, it's a full sleeve. Um, that's been a powerful thing, waiting till I'm 40 to, to do a full sleeve. And really, it's from some of the most important animals and insects that have shown up in my life and what that's me- meant to me. So we'll probably save that for a podcast in and of itself. Um, farming. We learned a lot of shit. We have our first, we have our first, uh, education that we're hosting with Chad Johnson. We'll have him back on the podcast here shortly, uh, to really talk about that education. Um, gardeners of Eden is the name of our farm and it will have its own website up and running within a couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. I'll link to it in the show notes after the fact, and I'll talk about it on an upcoming podcast. Um, our first education will be in meeting. We're going to meet up in a Lockhart at the farm for five days. And we're going to deep dive permaculture, a lot of subholters work and how to do it, whether you're on a 10th of an acre in a suburb or you want to grow your own food and you just are looking to acquire land or you and a group of friends has land, you want to do some type of um, food forest or animal rotation. What are the best ways? How much can my land handle? All these things 
are great things to learn. And it's exciting because we're, we're all doing this right now at the farm with Chad Johnson as an expert and one of our teachers. And we'll get to learn firsthand with you guys as he teaches everybody. So very excited for that. That's coming up in March after our first core event, um, early March. Stay tuned for more information on that. One of the things that I learned, I've had a lot of people ask me when, they, when I give them a tour of the farm, they're like, what are you, what's the thing that stuck out to you the most, that you've learned the most? Um, because a lot of this is new to me. And I will say that one of the answers that I've given again and again is the stakes are high. That um, it's real, it's tangible, right? It's not like I playing with ideas in the astral and seeing if they work here in the 3D. Um, that too, but when I make a mistake, things can die. And we lost, uh, I think, 14 sheep to coyotes. And I felt all the fucking feelings around that. We stayed up at night. I got fucking night vision goggles, thermals, the, <laughs> the kitchen sink to kill these coyotes. And um, I kept thinking about that. Like, is this the right way? I don't know, but we got to stop the bleeding. We won't have a fucking flock of anything. Uh, if they keep killing six, seven sheep at a time, we're not going to have anything. The idiocracy of that mistake is we were the only people in probably the state of Texas that brought in a large group of food and didn't protect them. We didn't have guardian dogs. We're thinking about it. We're like, oh, we got this game fence. Fucking that's nothing to a coyote to shoot right underneath that thing to a, for a pack of them to shoot underneath that thing and, and, and have their way with our flock. So, um, camped out every night, protected them. The, 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 the death toll stopped, uh, after the first six, and um, we had a couple of puppies that we got great Pyrenees, and we thought maybe this is enough. They smell the, the urine smell. They can't tell that it's a puppy. Uh, they got a deep bark. Great Pyrenees do, even at three months old. We might be set. So we pulled back one night from having us spend each night out there with them and losing sleep, losing our ability to parent and focus on our other jobs. And we lose seven that night. And that was fucking really hard. Um, so we went, we went all in, you know, we got, there's a lot of decisions to be made around that. One of the things that we found out was if you kill coyotes, they can go into estrus immediately. So if I killed seven of those coyotes, the ones that are around could immediately go into estrus and start reproducing automatically and they'll reproduce more than was lost. So that helps the pack grow in a weird way. That's why coyotes are kind of impossible to kill. It's a pretty fascinating piece around them. The very best way to deal with coyotes is to have a group of big-ass dogs that can fuck coyotes up on site because the coyotes know there's no chance at taking out the sheep if there's a group of dogs there. So we now have seven dogs. So we've got four Great Pyrenees mixes and three Great Pyrenees purebreds that are just incredible. We have not lost a single sheep since. And as I said, it's, it's, a, hard, it's a hard lesson to learn, but um, drawing these animal cards. We draw the animal cards. And what's typical for me of, you know, big bird medicine, as I talked about at the beginning of this podcast, I drew the giraffe, you know, and her analysis is see the big picture. That's the little short tag on there. And there's more inside the book. See the big picture. That to me is bird medicine. That's the condor medicine, the eagle, the hawk. And um, I laughed because it was a giraffe, but yeah, giraffes got long ass necks. They can see from up high, down low. And that is something that I've really been holding and wanting to, to see both in the world and with my path going forward. See the big picture. 
And perhaps that might be my one word of the year, see the big picture, uh, which would coincide with balance. I'm not going to see if I'm not balanced. Uh, I don't know how that's going to work, but that was the card that I drew. My daughter drew the coyote. And it, you know, it's a little tagline there says, trust the divine detour. Wow. That's it. That's trickster medicine. Trust the divine detour. Now, every, every indigenous culture has talked about this trickster energy. Some say it's in a spider, the spider holds it. Some say it's the coyote. Um, but they're in all ancient understandings of consciousness itself. There is the trickster energy. You might call that Satan, the devil, whatever, and that's pure evil. Other people understood it as trickster energy, as, a, as an illusion, as a way to throw us off. But it's the divine detour that happens. And in the moment, you can't understand it. Like, I don't, I don't know why they fucking killed 13 of them. They only ate two of them. They were just going on a spree. Um, a raccoon will intelligently eat only, it'll kill only what it can eat. It'll kill one chicken out of the flock and come back each night, taking out one chicken. If it needs a day off because it's full, it'll wait and then come back. A weasel will kill the whole thing and only eat one, right? So there's varieties of how, how different animals operate. Um, but trusting the divine detour, that's such a spectacular one-liner for me and for a lot of us as we look out into the world and we see like what the fuck is happening right now while big finance crumbles um the push for centralization and central digital banking uh the push to at the really the last grabs of old industries dying hard trying to remain in power that's what this all is and we're going to see more crumbling you know so just trusting the divine detour i think is such an, a potent fucking card for me right now and a potent card for many people the trickster energy is there, and it's not all bad. It, it, initially, it's something where you can't understand why it's happening or what fucking good could potentially come from it, but it is good in the end, and it's necessary in the end for these systems to die, for us to give birth to something new. Michael Mead talked about that on a um, podcast we did as this story of the, of the old woman, and uh, I'm not going to reiterate that. The, the, the basic paraphrasing of it is she's, she's always weaving this quilt. And there's a big cauldron on a fire that she's got to stir. And every time she stirs it, it spreads fresh seeds on the land and, and makes the potency and, and vibrancy and fertility of the land come back. So every now and then she's got to get up and stir that pot in the spring. And every time she does that, this black dog gets up and unravels the quilt that she's weaving. And the first, you know, your, your freshman level look at that is fucking kick this dog out. <laughs> it keeps fucking up the quilt every time she gets up. It goes and destroys this thing. That is the nature of our reality. We live in a reality that builds a society, it builds a thing, and then Babylon fucking crumbles, right? This quilt gets destroyed, but the threads are still there. And the beautiful thing is, right when she sits back down, she doesn't freak out about it. She just starts weaving something new, something just as beautiful, but something different and unique. That's novelty. And that's a built-in component. It's one of the first principles of what consciousness is, of what we get to experience here on the wheel of life. Right now, this is the unraveling. This is the crisis period in uh, the fourth turning, and it'll end in 2028 to 2031, somewhere in there. That's when it's going to end, give or take uh, 20, 20, 20 years plus or minus three. Could end in 2025. I don't doubt that it's going to keep going until 2030, especially with um, what a lot of the uh, you know, economic forum folks are saying, uh, Rockefellers and shit like that. And I know throwing around a name like Rockefeller can get hokey and old. Um, but you know, they did write Operation Lockstep in 2010, and they spoke about things in past tense that came to fruition in 2020. It's pretty hard to deny that they didn't have a hand in creating some of that. All right, either that or they're Nostradamus level at predicting shit 10 years in advance. 
What else we got here? So, so yeah, get this card deck. It's awesome. It will matter to you what you pull. And, and if it doesn't right away, just allow life to serve that medicine to you where you're like, man, I don't want to pull that card. Oh, okay. That's why. That's why. And it may take 10 months, but it's going to matter at some point this year. You ask yourself a simple question. What, you know, for, for us, it's, it's, what do I need to know now in preparation for 2023? Or what do I need to know now for, to, to, to gain alchemy or to gain balance, right? You can, you can word it around your one word, right? This is the thing that I'm trying to do. This is my goal. What animal will help me attain that? Or what, uh, what tarot card will help me attain that? Fairly easy ways to work with it. Fit for service. We got the last chance. We got the farm education coming up. My hunt. So last year, uh, I was pretty bummed that I didn't get to hunt last year. I've, I have... It is something that I've fallen deeply in love with for a number of reasons. Number one, the connection to nature is there the entire time. It's meditative. Uh, Zen and the art of archery, whether it's a bow hunt or a rifle hunt, like you're highly tuned in to your surroundings, paying attention to every step you take, every sound you make, any of the sounds that you hear outside of yourself. Like it's, it's a hyper-aware state of being that is often lost in day-to-day living. And... Um, you know, meditation is one piece of that. It's not the whole thing, right? The whole thing is the hunt. And doing a sacred hunt is incredibly powerful too. We talked about that with Monsel Denton. We're going to do one uh, later this year. We've had a number of people from Fit for Service reach out to me wanting to do that. So I want put to put one together. I also want to get a hunt in uh, exclusively with, with some of my homies um, that are big into it now. And I've got this hunt coming up here. It was kind of funny because it was like, when I first started as a kid, never killed anything. And then years went by playing football and fighting where I didn't get to hunt, but I knew I wanted to do it. And then getting back into it in 2017, I went on an elk hunt. Didn't know him. I was borrowing a rifle. I had no idea. I was like, we got to get it within a hundred yards to take this shot. Then we can hit him with the crosshairs. Right. Um, and, and because of my experience in hunting with bow and rifle, I've really improved my game. Every time you go out there, you get to learn something. And I'm really going to talk about the, the improving of that and what it means with Ken uh, coming up on this on this podcast in a, in a couple of weeks here, um, but really it's been it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun and learning. I took my first um, precision long range course through Sheepdog, where we got to shoot at 100. We got zeroed at 100. We shot at 200, 270, 380, 482, and we're working on holdovers and shit like that. So I don't have to change my windage or my elevation and just figuring out the math on where these targets are and um, really where the landmarks are. If I know I'm, I'm doing spot and stock, I'm going to arrange things and see where that's going. But uh, so much of that, which seems complex at first, once it becomes second nature and working with it, it becomes awesome because then I can take a shot and know where it's going to land. And with that, it can be a humane kill. It can stop the animal immediately. And it's not something where I got to track three miles to find a bleeding animal and hope that I can finish it off. I know it's dead every time I shoot it. And so the importance of expertise is um, it's there for a number of reasons, but it's there for the animal just as much as it is for your own sanity, right? You have the bad kill. That's something that's not easily erased from your head. I talked about that before. Um, shooting at a moving target, Big Island, and hitting a, a mama pig in the, in, the, in the belly and listening to her scream as I ran 43 yards up to her to finish her. That's nothing. That's, that sound will never leave me. So yeah, wanting that to be humane, very important. And I've been doing that training and it feels really good to do that training. Like I said, I enjoy shooting guns. I enjoy shooting long rifle. 
I'm going to have more training coming up here with Clay Martin, who was on the podcast. He was a Marine recon sniper, just a fucking amazing human. He's been doing some work with Tucker Max and the guys out in Dripping Springs, and I'm super excited to get to train with him this year. But this hunt, this hunt's a good one. It's, it's my first time sitting uh, with somebody other than Monsel for as far as like real guidance since I've started hunting. And Ken is a guy that I trust. And he is a guy who, as I mentioned, as a Lakota elder, somebody who I really value as a person who has a lot of world experience. And uh, the fact that we get to sit in a sweat lodge before we enter, the sweat lodge has been such an important piece. It was really my first medicine tool in the tool bag that led me to plant medicines was being able to do the sweat lodge with my coach, Huitzi. Uh, Arturo Mata, who passed away a few years back, uh, was my boxing coach and Aztec, uh, Mayan elder, and just a phenomenal guy who really brought me to, to a whole different understanding of consciousness and a whole different understanding of divination. And that all started with the sweat. It started with the Temes call, which is the Central American. We'll be doing it in Nipi, the Northern American sweat, Ken. But that is really a, a place to pray while you're utilizing the elements, the earth and the rocks, the air and the air that you breathe and the steam that rises when the water hits the rocks, the fire that's underneath the rocks and the water, of course, that turns into the steam and connecting all of those pieces with prayer and with tobacco uh, has been such a massive ceremony in and of itself. Uh, and I, this will be my first time combining that in a hunt. So I'm really excited to be able to talk about that and share that with you guys. And, you know, you could, I could come up short. You know, but I, I truly feel like we, we had um, lottery tags for me and Christian Pity, and we both went for them. We both got them, and uh, they're a little easier to get than the public tags, but still, it's a lottery, and the fact that we both got them to go on this hunt, and we're the only two trying, I mean, that really, for me, uh, it's, a, it's a little head nod in the right direction that, that we're, we're where we're supposed to be going. We're going to learn a lot from this thing and have a lot to share about it, so I'm, I'm really pumped that. And I'm pumped to be able to do more hunts next year. You know, this year I took off because of all of the building and everything that we had going on at the farm. And it's not, you know, it's still in its infancy. There's still a lot to do there. And we're going to continue to add to it in multiple phases. But I do feel like a lot of what we've done, we have systems in place now. We have an animal and land management expert. We have a plant management expert. We've got my buddy, Eric Vaughn. I'll probably hate all these guys on the podcast at some point. Former Navy EOD, who's, who's running the whole show as uh, the lead manager and just, just a phenomenal crew out there. President, Kerry Brumfield, just excellent, excellent, awesome people that I'm surrounded with. And that whole team um, really allows me to be able to focus on that and create there, but also not have to do all the ins and outs so I can continue to podcast, continue to go on hunts, continue to dad, continue to coach and fit for service and continue to learn really, you know, an ongoing mission of what, what's going to be PhD level biodynamics, PhD level regenerative agriculture, PhD level, many things that's going to take decades to get to. And I get to get to that because of the space that I create. And uh, I thank them for, for really helping me create that space around what we're doing at the farm. And I'm pumped to be able to go out hunting again this year. We'll have, we'll have a lot of talks around that. I will offer, um, I may offer to the public if we don't sell out immediately on this podcast, if you're interested in something like that. If not, look up Sacred Hunting with Monsel Denton and you can, uh, I'll link to that, that uh, link in the show notes. Jose, grab it, please. And uh, just go on his website and find a time to go with him. He's one of my favorite guides. He's one of my favorite people. He's a dear friend. And I know that he, he holds... He holds the, the act of hunting in a manner of which it, it needs to return to and uh, is just an excellent guide. And um, you learn so much more about yourself in that experience than what you expect from hunting. Uh, the ceremony is powerful and really connects you to what you're doing there and why you're doing it. 
The tattoo. All right. I'll, I'll briefly talk about one thing with the tattoo. And then we'll wrap here. I know I'm jumping all over the place, but that's how we do it on solo casts. Tattoo has a B. It's got the wolf, the bear. That's pretty obvious. It's got the, uh, this uh, cottonmouth snake. I talked about that story before. There are some, some fungi up here. We've got uh, some different symbols for the elements, earth, air, water, and fire. Uh, the snow leopard, which is really, um, it's my wife's spirit animal. And um, for many reasons, that's, that's her own thing, but that's definitely her. So I have her right near my heart. And uh, I love that. I, I think it's the, the, the tattoo curse is getting your wife's name or wife's portrait. So <laughs> if shit goes wrong, uh, I have this dope snow leopard there. And that's honestly something that I've connected to in the past because the hermit, believe it or not, is one of my uh, major archetypes from the tarot that really corresponds with how I learn best. I learn best from gathering information and resources and retreating, letting that alchemize at the top of the mountain or in the darkness of a cave. And then when the light of that lantern grows so heavy, then I return back to sea level to share what I've learned and then gather more resources and head back up the mountain. And that hermit archetype, the, this continual cycle of retreating and understanding is such a big one. And the snow leopard really is indicative of that, not loner mentality, but something that, that, that is highly protective, highly aware of their surroundings, but also one that, that is okay with being in solitude for long periods of time and the necessity for that, for the snow leopard. Uh, yeah, we dove in a snow leopard here, but really the thing I wanted to bring up was the bee. This bee medicine has been huge for me. Um, as Paul Check says, you know, the bees are, uh, along with the other pollinators, the sex organs of mother nature and critically important. You know, if you've been paying attention to Paul Stamets and a lot of the things going on in the world of all the issues we have, right? Many existential risks. Uh, if, we, if we lose our pollinators, we lose, we lose food. When we got without food, we're creating shit in the lab and, and hoping that that works and it's not going to work. It's not going to be the same. So they've, they've been an important piece for me in calling me towards regenerative agriculture. I had a, we were at a fit for service event in Sedona in 2020 at the end of the year. As I mentioned many times on this podcast, it was the first time many people had hugged another human the entire year in October. So factor that into the equation. It was a big moment. And it was the first time Porangi had played for a live audience. You had 150 people in the backyard in Aubrey's Ranch, and he played for 150 people ecstatic dance, and it was incredible. And this bee landed on uh, my friend Soda. And I was like, oh man, I thought it looked like he was going to go in there and, or she was going to go in there and get swallowed. So I just put my finger in it, down there and I started talking and I had a little heart medicine going, if you know what I mean. And I said, hey, little buddy, come up here. You know, I don't want you to get, I don't want you to get swallowed. And it crawled up my index finger onto my hand, which was where I have this bee tattooed. And, um, stayed there for a while and I just sat with it and meditated with it and seeing like, you know, how the, the, for most people that are, that are wondering, you know, is this guy batshit crazy? Read <laughs> Walking with Bears by Dr. Will Tegel. It's one of my favorite books. Also the Mother Tongue, another incredible book that really breaks down what he proposes is the universal language of all beings, of all consciousness has this ability to communicate with one another when we know how to listen. And that's certainly been the case for me. But with this B, it was really showing its appreciation for me and my love for nature. And I was reciprocating that. I love nature and I love this bee and I want nature to flourish. And uh, really in that, I felt more drawn than ever to start farming. I didn't know when I was gonna, but 2020 was a hell of an impetus to start getting into where does my food come from and what control do I have in that supply chain? Super important, more, maybe more important than ever. We'll talk about that coming up with... Uh, Michael Young, who's a, a Green Beret and was on um, uh, Jordan Peterson's podcast. 
phenomenal stuff and uh, scary stuff, but important stuff. So the B stays on after about 10 minutes. I'm like, all right, dude, I want to dance. So I get back up and I start dancing and it fucking stays on my hand for another 20 minutes. This thing was on my hand. I fucking took a photo of it. I'm like, I don't want to be a douche in that video, but they did snap a photo and I danced with this thing for 20 minutes. It stayed on my hand and people were looking at me like, what the fuck is that? And I'm like, it's a bead. It's fucking hanging with me. We're going. And it was such a unique experience, a bonding experience, like, like bonding like the snake's head on my knee, that cotton mouth that put its head on my knee for at least a minute and stared eye to eye with me in the pond. Like that level of bonding from nature is possible when we shift our energy and we're in the right frame and the, and the beacon trust, I can be with you right now. Let's have an experience. And so, so much, so much um, of that medicine from bees. We had a lot of bees coming into our house when we were uh, first moving here. We had a lot of bees coming to the new house um, when we were getting pregnant with Wolfie. It was just very cool. And uh, I watched Avatar 2 and it was fucking gut-wrenching. Sorry, spoiler alert. If you're a parent, it's gut-wrenching. Um, and one of the things, I won't give it away, so don't worry if you haven't seen it. Uh, personal opinion, fucking awesome. Didn't feel like an ad for three, four, and five. It just was awesome. It had, it had uh, enough completion to it that I was very pleased with it. And one of the key components, you know, I was talking with, with um, my wife about it, who I saw, I was just talking with her about it that after the, the, the film. And I was like, I want to be like the daughter. The daughter has this just innate connection to Awa, where everything she does, she can connect to any single piece of the whole and have an intimate relationship with it. That's what I fucking want. I want that better than any other superpower, right? For you do, you got a son, you're talking about like, we'd rather have Wolverine's uh, ability to, to regenerate tissue or Superman's ability to fly. All right, Superman's ability to fly. Would you rather have Superman's ability to fly or uh, Nightcrawler's ability to teleport? Okay, teleport wins, right? You do shit like this all the time with my son and I love it. But really when I think about it, like a, a superpower that's possible is one in which you can't communicate with all beings. And that's what she does throughout the movie. And it's fucking awesome. And I just was thinking about that, like this connection piece. And I felt it so many times in my life. And right when we got home, Tosh went in, she left the door cracked. And uh, I'm, I, had, I had started thinking a little bit darkly about some potentials for the world ahead of us. And I was thinking of how much I just really wish I had that connection to AWA. And right there, there's a fucking bee right in front of my face, right at the entry point of the door. And I'm, I'm sitting there telling it like a, like a total jackass. I'm like, oh, hey, buddy, don't go inside. Don't go inside. You don't want to go inside. And I was just like, oh, you're not going inside. You're here talking to me. And I was like, fuck, man. That is the connection to AWA. It is right there. And it's, it's always been there. It'll always be there for us when we need it most. We are guided. That internal GPS in the heart, in the heart of Gaia is switched on and the heart of the solar system is switched on and the heart, the whole universe is switched on and we can tune into that when we need it most. All right, check out Avatar 2. I love you guys. I hope we have the fucking best year ever in 2023. It's going to continue to get rocky. That's totally fine. We've got what it takes. We have enough. Uh, lean on each other. Community is the most important thing that we have going forward. Lean on each other, communicate with an open heart, and um, don't be afraid to do the thing you know you need to do. Whatever that is. It might be eating better, it might be going to bed on time, whatever the fucking thing you need to do, don't be afraid to do that. It'll pay off. Love. Love.